This episode is brought to you by our Hosting Handbook mini course. Whether you're already hosting guests on Airbnb or you're still trying to soak up as much knowledge as you can, this course is the ultimate cheat sheet. It can transform your hosting from hobby to business. Get our coveted templates that include the welcome book, turnover handbook, and supply closet spreadsheet and other great bonuses you don't want to miss. Our hosting handbook is usually priced at $297, but for a very limited time, you can grab your seat for just $67. Head to www.thanksforvisiting.me forward slash hosting handbook to get all the deets. Now on to the show. You're listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. We believe hosting with heart is at the core of every successful short-term rental. With Annette's background in business operation and Sarah's extensive hospitality management and interior design experience, this dynamic duo has welcomed more than 2,000 guests from 25 countries, earning them over half a million dollars and garnering them over 650 five-star reviews. Now they're ready to share creative ways for your listing to stand out, to serve your guests and be profitable. Each episode will have knowledgeable guests who bring value to the short-term rental industry, or Annette and Sarah will share stories about their own experiences so you can implement actionable improvements to your own rentals. Whether you're experienced, new, or nervous to start your own short-term rental, we promise you'll feel right at home. Here are your hosts, Annette and Sarah. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another great week. I'm Sarah Karakayan. I'm Annette Grant, and together we are... Thanks, Thanks for, for visiting. visiting. All right, Nettie. I don't ever call you Nettie You don't ever call me Nettie, but everybody, the secret's out now. I have a nickname, that's, and it's well, Nettie. And, that's, and I learned that, that was, that's what people call you who know you yeah, from Yeah, it's like when they're, it's home to me when people now <laughs> call, you you know, Nettie. call me Nettie. All right, listeners, so when you write into us, you can call her Nettie. Hey, Nettie, yep. We're going to start the show like we do each and every week, which is sharing one of you, our listeners who are using our hashtag on Instagram. It's hashtag STR Share Sunday. STR, of course, standing for short-term rental. Nettie, who are we sharing? We're sharing a great one today and someone that has been a a host in the community for over 10 years. She might be one of our our longest ever, but it is at Rock Ridge Casita. Mm -hmm. Again, that's at Rock Ridge Casita and it is located in Oakland, California. And this, um, please go to your Instagram right now. Give her a follow and just start looking. It's an amazing casita in their backyard. Yes. And they started hosting in San Francisco in their apartment and then in their house. And then they specifically built this casita. So they are invested in... They got hooked like the rest of us do. They are are devoted to being short-term rental hosts. Yes. And if you go to her Instagram, if you're looking for more content other than thanks for visiting about how to be a great host. If you go to her Instagram, she's got um, a link there and she loves connecting with you guys. So she's got free hosting tips. She's got uh, a way for you to work with her. If you want to like just have someone else to chat with about what host life, it's a great resource for you. So Thanks so much uh, for using the hashtag. And if you haven't used the hashtag yet, please do. We will. Um, it's our goal is to to have everyone on the show that shares that shares our hashtag. So please use it. We're gonna do it and make it happen. All right, Sarah. It's time. Okay. The most exciting time. Yes. Always. 
We've got a rock star woman on our show. Tell us about her and uh, Yeah, I'm super excited. Her name is Marilee Carr, and she is the founder and CEO of Under the Doormat and chairperson of the UK Short-Term Accommodation Association. Yes. Ooh, so two things really quick before she comes on. Number one, I don't know. She's our second international guest, yes, so really least. excited about that. And secondly, we have to say... She has deep, deep roots here in our state of Ohio. So it's so it's random. Like she's 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 over the pond, but where she's like yeah, but close here. to us. So yeah. welcome to the show, Marilee. Oh, so great to be here. Thank you. All right. So I mean, we know we could talk forever about all the things, but we want to get into how you got started in the short-term rental world because you just you didn't really dip your toe in. You went all in. You went all in. And it sounds like that's kind of how how you do things in life. So can you t- can you tell our listeners a little bit about your story? Yeah. So, I mean, as, as you kind of mentioned, I actually grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Um, so I'm Ohio native, but actually I've spent pretty much my whole adult life in Europe. So I came over and um, spent some time in the Netherlands and in Spain and then settled in London here in the UK. And I spent quite a lot of time in the corporate world. So I worked for Shell, obviously the big uh, oil company, uh, for many, many years. Uh, in global roles, um, everything from um, setting up our IT presence in India back in the day through to managing the maintenance of all of the gas stations around the world. So that was something like 12,000 stations across 43 countries. So completely different worlds to to hosting and and short-term rentals. But I'd always had a passion that I wanted to set up my own business. And back in 2014, I saw an opportunity. People were starting to realize that you could rent homes instead of staying in a hotel. But my feeling was that for that market really to open up, it needed to be done in a professional way. As many of the people in your audience recognize, you know, people want to know that they're going to have a great experience. They want to you know, see those five-star reviews and they, and they want to be able to know that if they're choosing that place to stay, it's going to be wonderful. And what I also realized is that many people who have empty homes are not necessarily the right host. They may have a beautiful home. It might be with interior design and all these things, but there's two problems. The first one is that often the reason why their home is empty is because they're not there. So, you know, you can't be a good host if you're actually not there. (laughs) Um, And the second thing is they may not actually have the skills or the capabilities uh, around being that hospitality provider and, and that host. And so I wanted to set up a company that would provide that hospitality service um, like you would receive in a hotel or in a great hospitality venue, but with the comfort of homes um, and high quality four and five star homes that people could always feel confident in booking that they would have an incredible experience when they come and stay. So I set up my business in London um, now just over six years ago. And, uh, you know, we're one of the largest companies in London and we're also uh, now moving internationally. So um, it's a really exciting time for us as a business. And um, along that journey, what I also realized and, and coming from an industry, of course, which was, you know, much bigger and global was that the power in the industry is also really important. So Together with all the other companies here in London, everyone from Airbnb, Expedia, HomeAway, companies like One Fine Stay, who some of you may have heard of, 
all of us came together and created an industry association in the UK called the Short-Term Accommodation Association. And I've been the elected chair now for three years. And what that means is that we represent the industry to government. So we're talking regularly with government about the regulations which apply to our industry. But it also means that we've set up a whole bunch of initiatives, um, everything from an accreditation so that people who do things in a quality way can demonstrate that a third party says they meet all the right standards. Um, And so we've created that in the UK and that's now being rolled out um, internationally as well. So a lot of these things are just about the professionalization of our industry and making sure that those of us who do it well can um, can be recognized for that. Um, and that customers ultimately can can see that difference. Ooh. Now, Sarah and I want this. We want to talk more about the accreditation, but we'll do that at a later <laughs> day. I, I, I want to go back to one thing really quick. You made this decision to, to leave corporate. Did you have some clients lined up? Did you have your own properties? Because I know a lot of our listeners are at that point where they they... They talk to Sarah and I like they want to leave their current um, job and and make this a full-time career, but it's that transition that is really hard for them to understand because a lot of times you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Mm. So so how how did did you just make it a clean cut and go all in or did you start to bring some properties on? Can you share that with our listeners? I know they'd really like to know how you transitioned. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in my case, I actually made the decision to leave um, and and then made the decision after that, that this was the business that I wanted to set up. So I didn't take that approach of kind of let's do it halfway, let's dip our toes in the water, etc. I made the decision that I wanted to set up my own business. Um, and so I left, I actually took a little bit of a break. Um, so I actually took six months off in between when I left the corporate world and when I decided to set up the business, because what I also realized is that, you know, it's one thing to maybe host a couple of properties, but when you're actually looking at setting up a business and growing it to be an international company over a period of years, actually you need energy for that. That's not something where, you know, you can just do it a little bit. Um, and so I knew that it was for me really important to just take a break so that I could be 150% in when I decided to, to launch the business. Um, so, so that's kind of how I did it. I know people, you know, in all, in all industries, when people are entrepreneurs who've done it the other way, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think it's actually a personal choice, but I have to say for me, you know, the last six years have been, you know, intense in in so many different ways. Um, Making that decision to be an entrepreneur isn't one to take lightly because all of a sudden, you know, people say, oh, it's great. You don't have a boss anymore. You don't have a boss, but you have customers. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) So, um, you know, if anything, you'll probably work harder than you've ever worked before, but actually you're building something and growing it. And I think there's nothing more exciting or rewarding than doing that. So for me, it's the best decision I've ever made, but uh, it's also something that you have to kind of be 150% in for. Uh, And listeners, uh, Marilee probably won't share this sheet. She shared it with us, but she, um, she's she been nominated Entrepreneur of the Year in 2018 and then Businesswoman of the Year in 2019. So I think her six months, she did some serious resting up and then <laughs> went in full throttle. Oh, so amazing. But I like, I, I love that you, you know, let our listeners know like there's no right or wrong way. It can be one property. It can be, you know, 
a huge corporation, it's really about finding what's right for you and for, you know, for you and your family and and whoever you um, impact on a daily basis. All right. So did you decide to start the Short-Term Accommodation Association or was that some other partners? Talk to us about how you collaborated with others on that. And was that like right out of the gate when you started under the doormat or was that further down, um, down the road? Yeah. So, I mean, look, I think like many things, it's, it's always a bit of serendipity, um, which is a word I absolutely love because in life, um, you know, it's, it's often those moments. Um, I actually met a guy called Shomit Panda who had worked in the policy and regulatory side for many years, and he had his own business um, on, on that side. Um, and I asked a question at a conference and he approached me afterwards and said, I really think we should talk because I, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about the sector and, you know, let's just meet for a coffee and, and discuss. And a few minutes later, after he'd introduced me to people in government to kind of, you know, speak on behalf of the industry, he and I started to think, you know what, the regulators are talking about the possibility to, to do additional things in the UK. Um, in London, we already had a 90-day rule. Um, so you can rent out for up to 90 days with no extra permissions from the government. But if you want to do more than 90 days, you actually need to, to get permission. Um, so that's, you know, a specific UK London regulation. But we recognize that, you know, it was going to have an opinion on our sector and we wanted to be able to influence it. So we actually just started by bringing together all the people we knew from the, the, the key companies, you know, Airbnb, HomeAway, Expedia and, and all the other property management companies across the UK um, and just having in some informal meetings initially, just saying, look, let's share some best practice. Let's talk about some of the challenges that we face as industry. And to be honest, it didn't take very long. After two meetings, everybody said we should actually just form an association and we should make this happen for real. I mean, I'll be honest, having all the big players involved is super helpful mm-hmm. um, because it just meant that there was a kind of credibility. And it also meant that as soon as we're talking to politicians or you know, others in government, they took us seriously because we actually represent, you know, the vast majority of the industry in the UK. So I think we, you know, we were lucky on a number of fronts. um, But I think bringing all of that together has been incredible. And, you know, when we talk to our colleagues at Airbnb, for example, they often feedback that of all the associations around the world and different geographies, that actually the fact that we've got such a strong team here and such a strong representation of, you know, property managers, the platforms and OTAs, as well as some of the technology providers and suppliers means that we really can speak as one voice as an industry and we can create programs like accreditation and other things that can actually help us get ahead of government regulation, which is actually, I think, sometimes the trick because, you know, look, let's be honest, whether it's a condo association, whether it's a neighborhood that decides they hate Airbnb, or whether it's some local politician who thinks this is going to get them votes, as soon as it's already negative, it's really hard to fight against it. Whereas if you already build some of those relationships and you already have the answers to their questions before they even start complaining that it's a problem... I think that puts everyone in a a better situation. But look, I mean, I'll already say in the U.S., obviously, there is VRMA. I mean, that is the U.S. association. I mean, they are global, although, to be fair, they're they're more U.S. focused. And I think they're even starting to work more collaboratively also with local associations, which I think is absolutely the right move because – 
you know, uh, coming from the US, I understand a little bit about how things are structured there. It isn't like there is just one national regulation. You know, it can happen at state level, it can happen at local level, it can even happen at a condo association level. So you're kind of fighting on all different fronts. And I think the best thing is to have some clear structures and policies, which of course, VRMA can also help with. Um, But then to pull on those and have real advocates and real industry leaders at a local level who are building those relationships with governments. Because at the end of the day, this this is an industry about people. And the more that people understand how important this industry is, you know, not just for someone who Airbnb is their place 365 days a year, but also for all the owners who might just need a little bit of extra income here and there, you know, and especially in difficult times like we're facing now with job uncertainty and everything else. Um, it's so important that the sharing economy and this whole concept of being able to earn some income from your asset is an option for people. Um, and so I'm really passionate about that. And um, and it's great when you find other, you know, other entrepreneurs and other people in our sector you know, the more that people can come together at any level, whether that's local, statewide, nationally, um, and, and speak with a unified voice, I think the stronger that makes everyone. What things is your association doing that might inspire even one or two listeners to just do in their own little short-term rental of their own that might maybe inspire someone else to do this? Like, what little things are you guys doing? Like you said, stay ahead of... Uh, the negative uh, pushback from your government that seems to be working for you guys? I mean, look, I think there's there's really three things. One is that we have clear standards. Um, you know, especially in COVID, we actually worked together with the government and published uh, cleaning standards. VRMA mm-hmm. uh, obviously has cleaning standards, which are available to everyone. I think it's important to follow them and publish them and be really clear that you're following those standards. Um, I think those standards then go on to accreditation. So accreditation covers everything from consumer protection, health and safety, cleanliness. So it's a combination of all those things. And being able to say, you know, I've got a third party that has checked that I run things properly gives consumers that confidence that you're you're real. You know, you're not just a person that posted a photo and is kind of renting this out and they're not sure what they're going to get when they arrive. Actually, you know, there's someone who has checked all this stuff who's credible. Um, in the UK, we work with Quality and Tourism, which is an a, a independent company um, that does these types of accreditations. Um, and I know they are also doing virtual accreditations now, uh, which is a really positive step from COVID. And they've been in discussions, for example, with Rent Responsibly, which is an organization in, in the US and others. Um, and so, you know, there's nothing that prevents a host in the U.S. from getting quality and tourism accreditation. You can email them, contact them on the STAR website. There's all the details of the accreditation. And it's not just a U.K. thing. It could apply anywhere. So um, by all means, you know, show that you are um, someone who meets the highest standards, uh, because that's much easier than when you're having discussions with government to say, well, we do things properly, right. mm-hmm. just like any other business would. And therefore, what's what's the issue? Um, I think the second thing is that often one of the big issues that we hear, you know, from government, from associations and others who who often argue against our industry is that it's often, you know, 
noise issues, worry about security, um, you know, not knowing what's happening. And it's almost like that uncertainty or that um, in the UK, we call it nimbyism, not in my backyard. Mm -hmm. It's like people don't want it next to them. And I think one of the things that can help with that is actually transparency. So what we did is we created a buildings policy. So um, any building or let's say neighborhood, it doesn't have to be an actual building, but it can be, you know, an area can actually go on and register and say, you know, here's our policy about short term rentals. And it follows all the things you'd expect. You need to have the right insurance in place. Someone needs to be meeting the guests and checking their passport details so that they're the right people who are supposed to be there. Um, So the second thing is around transparency and just that everyone around knows exactly what's happening. And so therefore it takes away that uncertainty or that feeling that things aren't being done right and and that there's this risk, this big, scary thing that they kind of don't understand. Um, And also we've got a phrase in the UK, uh, nimbyism, which is not in my backyard, which is people who just don't like things um, next to them. And so the only way to really combat that is by actually just being really open about how things are done and being clear that they're done well. And so the technology behind that, we partnered with a company called Locale um, and we built the technology to basically, you know, an association. So like a condo association or a neighborhood or, you know, even in the case of London, like an entire council or, or, or kind of local area can actually become part of the system. And then everyone who's doing short-term rentals in the area can just register. It costs about $10 per year to register. And then everybody has visibility to who's doing it. And if there is ever an issue, it's also clear who to call. Mm -hmm. Because often just that feeling, like if something goes wrong, oh my God, I have to call Airbnb and they don't do anything. And, you know, it just brings it back down to real people locally who are taking responsibility for what's happening. And I think especially for your hosts who are hosting responsibly, they'd much rather have someone just give them a call and say, hey, there's a problem with one of your guests. Can you check it out? And they can go and address it immediately before the problem becomes a bigger one. And I think it is just about that, yeah, that transparency and that openness to, to kind of solve things. So that's, again, another thing that we've developed, which is available. And, you know, for anyone who's going and having fights with a local association and just saying, well, look, this could be a solution. Why don't we implement this buildings policy? And why don't we implement this simple technology? You don't need to pay anything, but you get the visibility. Mm-hmm. Would that be a solution? Um, because I think just as soon as you've got solutions for them, it makes it really hard for them to just say, we just want to ban it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's a, a second thing. And then I think the third and, and final thing is really, um, you know, coming together and helping hosts to access the various different things that are going to help them to grow their businesses. And I'll come on to that a little bit more, but, you know, in the current environment, what, what we hear is that, of course, there's a huge amount of uncertainty. So, you know, I think in some ways in the U.S., it's actually a little bit better because things are not completely shut down. But equally, people aren't traveling like they normally would either. You know, business travel is down. Lots of people are just deciding to stay put because they're worried about the impact of travel. Everyone's worried about uh, COVID. Um, And so, of course, that affects your ability to grow your business. But I would also say this is actually the perfect time to get clear what your plans are for your future and to get in place the things that are going to help your business grow. 
And from my point of view, they're just a couple of simple things. Um, the first thing is, I think a lot of people, if you look back to sort of March and April time, um, really got hit because there were a lot of people who might have just been hosting on a single platform, often Airbnb. And mm -hmm. I mean, as a business person for my whole career, the one thing that I've learned is it doesn't matter whether you're a shopkeeper who has a product, you don't want to only sell on Amazon. In the same way, if you're a host, do you really want to only sell on one channel? All it takes is for them to change their algorithm and you could from go from one day being fully booked to another day and you might actually have no bookings for the future. You're at the mercy of what is a technology which is global who at the end doesn't know who you are and doesn't care who you are. No matter how much you're a super host or how wonderful you are, it's actually a technology. It's not a person who has a relationship with you. Um, and so I think it's just really prudent to make sure that you've got multiple channels to market and thinking about how, whether that is taking direct bookings from repeat guests, having your own website. Um, obviously, there are other channels like Verbo and HomeAway. Um, but equally, you know, there's great new entrants into the market. I mean, for me, one of the most exciting things of the past sort of 12 to 18 months is companies like Marriott Homes and Villas entering the market um, and actually allowing people who are professional companies to list on their on their platform as well. And so I think there's some really exciting things on that on that horizon. But of course, that's not as simple as just having one calendar and one in one platform. So then that leads on to the next thing, which is a little bit more learning about how technology can help you to grow your business. Because at the end, most people who host are very good at providing an amazing guest experience. And they're often really good at going out and getting other owners who want them to help them. Um, and so they can grow the supply. They can grow the number of owners that they work for. And they can also provide a great guest experience. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're an amazing tech person. And especially as soon as you start going on multiple channels, then, you know, that means your team might need to grow. You need more people to manage all of that. And then, of course, there's other things to consider, like pricing. You know, I think most of us who've been in this industry a while would never just leave the Airbnb or some kind of pricing tool to decide our pricing for us. However, there are lots of dynamic pricing tools out there. Um, there are also some great field management technologies so that, for example, if you have a cleaner that's going to a property, that they can take the photos and they can note down anything and kind of log tickets so that you know if there's a maintenance issue, there's a light bulb out that needs fixed, whatever. But I think ultimately the big challenge is bringing all these things together. And so one of the things that we've done, because of course we spent the last five, six years integrating all these technologies, picking the best ones, you know, make sure we pick the right channel management technology, the right pricing technology, the right field management technology. But even if you have all of those and the relationships with all the platforms, then you've got to integrate them all so that it all talks to each other and you're not having to literally go and write the same thing in five systems. Oh my God, that would do your head in. Um, and so we created Hosperia so that smaller guys uh, smaller hosts who have, you know, between two and 50 properties could actually just log on into one system and access all of the platforms. 
even platforms that you can't normally get onto when you only have 20 properties, for example. So Marriott Homes and Villas typically requires 100. Expedia requires 50. And so if we can pool all of these companies together, we can give people access to channels that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. Because my belief is that the best part about our industry is that there are so many amazing entrepreneurs out there that are doing amazing things. And so we've got to make it easier for them because the last thing we want is that we become this industry, which is a bunch of companies who have no personality, who have no um, hospitality, and it just becomes like hotels, which is generic. The best part about our industry is the fact that it's amazing entrepreneurs, people who are authentic, experiences that people can have. But... In order for for people to leave their jobs and go and do this full time, they need businesses that are going to grow so that they can earn the salary they've earned before, maybe even more. Maybe this can be a more successful business venture for them, but they can only do that with the right technology, the right channels to market and everything. So, I mean, look, check out Hospiria. We we recently signed um, a company in Colorado who has 65 properties. Um, and you know, we've got lots of different companies of all different shapes and sizes that are saying, look, rather than hiring a huge team to do some of this stuff, can I actually just work with a company that can help me do it? And that only charges me when they deliver me some results, because, you know, at the end, nobody has cash to be throwing down the drain right now, um, trying to learn which technology is good and all these things. I mean, you know, it took us years to get to the place where we figured that all out. And, you know, I, I, I just hope for other people that journey can be a lot quicker and easier. <laughs> yeah. So, so speaking of all of the time that it's taken you to learn all these, you know, everything that you've learned in the industry, what is something as far as the guest experience and what your short-term rentals um, give to the guest? What are, what are some things that have stayed consistent from day one all the way till now that our listeners, whether they have one property or 10, what are some things that you you just know are tried and true and you, they will always be a part of Under the Doormat and all the properties that, that you have on your platform? I mean, I think the first thing is to know where you want to sit in the market. So for us, we only take four and five star properties. And if the properties have things that are not right, we fix them before we start hosting in them. So, I mean, it sounds simple, but it's so easy to be thinking, oh, well, I mean, this property is a bit rough around the edges, but they want to work with me. I'll just take them on and it'll be fine. And actually, it's not because if guests are paying a lot of money to stay, they want to have a wonderful property. And if they want to, you know, if you want to get five star reviews, you need to be providing not just a great service, but also a great product. And at the end of the day, the home is the product. So if you want that product to reflect you, you need to make sure that you just don't make compromises. I mean, you know, there are times when I've had people in my team who say to me, oh my God, you're actually going to tell that homeowner they have to change their carpet. And I said, yes, actually (laughs) I am. Um, And I have. And there have been occasions where the owner says, well, to be honest, I can't be bothered then. And there are other times when the owner's done it and we've had really great long-term relationships and they actually appreciate that we've given them that advice. Mm -hmm. And as hard as it is sometimes in that moment when you're thinking, oh, but this is another home, this could be another source of income, to actually take that hard line and say, these are the requirements I need you to meet. I'll work with you. I'll help you to facilitate that. But 
we've got to get there in order for, for me to work with you. Actually, the right types of owners will do that. And the ones who are too cheap to do it are going to be too cheap when the guest is having a problem later on. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're almost cutting off your own um, foot when you make those decisions early on because you're telling the homeowners that they can actually continue to provide a substandard product. Right. Um, so I think that's one. And I think the second thing is, you know, making sure we always personally greet our guests unless there's a specific reason that the guest doesn't want that. Um, and of course, you know, there can be specific reasons, you know, a business traveler who just can't confirm a time or whatever. But we believe that that personal interaction is part of what makes it special um, and is really part of hospitality. And that's something that, you know, even today in a coronavirus world, obviously there are some exceptions that we respect, but we often still try and do that. And, you know, it means that we're handing over a little baggie of sanitized keys and we have face masks and we have all the right precautions and we're doing everything at the right distances. But we still want this to be a business that is people. And I think that's really important that it doesn't just become like, oh, this anonymous property and there's no one behind it. So for us, those are probably the two things I would say that have been important from day one. All right. I have I have two questions specifically on both of them. The first one is you say four or five star properties. What if they are not in a four or five star location? What do you do? It's a great house. It's amazing. But the location, how do you handle, how do you handle that? So it's really interesting because, I mean, for us, we cover all of London. And I mean, you can imagine London is, you know, a city of sort of 12 million people. And you can have one area which is good and one area which is bad, not too far away from each other. We don't normally discriminate on location. We look at the property. Um, And what we've found is that, you know, at the end, people want to be in all different types of locations for all different reasons. And as long as the property meets our quality standards, and as long as geographically it's within the range that we can cover logistically and those sorts of things, then we always take it. However, what we do always do, because of course, when you're operating in a city, you know, you could be in Notting Hill in one of the best places in London, and you could have construction noise next door. So that could be considered a bad location. You could be on a road where the traffic is really busy. You, you know, you can be in Sloan Square in the middle of Chelsea and still be on a road with lots of road noise. So what we try and do is just be really, really clear up front about, you know, the area, about the, you know, the, the location, if there's other things around the property, which might affect people's ability to enjoy it. Because if you're transparent with people up front, then they have that information and they can make their choice. Um, And some of the best properties we have are in locations which could be considered dodgy, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that people go, oh, you know, you know, you might see some drug dealers outside or, you know, I mean, one of my favorite properties that we've had for years is in Brixton, which is an area that 20 years ago, there were riots and all this kind of stuff. And it's gentrifying and there's amazing local markets and it's so cool. And we've got these amazing owners and, you know, you arrive at the property and it's a big black gate, which looks really scary. (laughs) And then you come in and it's like this communal garden with chickens in the courtyard. All the neighbors know each other. And the property itself is something out of like out of Africa with like, 
you know, all kinds of pieces from their travels and, you know, amazing things. They actually own a a tea plantation in Sri Lanka. So, I mean, like all kinds of cool stories, but, you know, that isn't in many people's eyes, the best location, but the property is amazing and it gets better reviews than almost any other property that we have. So I think it's just about being upfront about that. Um, so that, that's how we approach it. But again, some people may choose to focus just on a specific area or location and be more geographically concentrated. And there's valid reasons for, for both approaches. Mm-hmm. All right. So I have a, like, my mind is racing over the hand delivery of keys because I even know just managing like a few properties. How, how do you make that happen? How do you coordinate, you know, travel schedules with check-in? Like I just, I, I, I I don't even know how I could do anything else besides just meet guests. How do you actually communicate with the guest? How many people do you have helping you with this? Because I'm I'm already at a loss to like how you would calendar that and make it happen. Because we will be completely honest, we are um, very much uh, remote, you know, remote locks. And so, yeah, teach us your ways on this because it seems like daunting, honestly, and like hard to to calendar. Yeah, no. So, I mean, there's a couple of things. The first thing is we automate everything we can. And that comes back to the whole technology piece. So as soon as a guest books one of our homes, it doesn't matter if they book on Marriott or Expedia or Airbnb, then we send them a pre-check-in form, which gives them all kinds of details. If they need an extra baby cot or a high chair or anything, you know, we also have like welcome packs and things like that, that they can order. Um, but also what they do is they can they confirm their travel details and they confirm their preferred check-in time. So they essentially kind of book a slot. And that way we're able a week out to actually make sure that we get everything in the calendar. So we've got an operation schedule because, of course, we've got to make sure that our cleaners can get to all the different houses. We've got to make sure then our check-in teams are able to book in times, et cetera. And then we just say to people, well, look, you know, you've got your one-hour check-in time. And if you're going to be outside of that one hour, you need to give us at least two hours notice in advance so that we're able to adjust the schedule and accommodate that. And, you know, most of the time it works really well. Occasionally, um, you know, it doesn't work as well. But, you know, the security of the property and also we provide insurance for all of our owners means that we do need to check who is actually getting the keys. Sure. Um, and what, what I can say when you're operating, you know, hundreds of properties, excuse me, and, um, and you've got, you know, thousands of guests coming in and out, on the one hand, you think, well, is that a step that's really necessary or worthwhile? And what I would say is our repeat visitors are much higher as a result of it because they know us. They know who under the doormat is. They know that we're, you know, a real company with real people. Um, So that that connection, I think, matters. And I think the second thing is, of course, it means that our owners who have amazing properties are trusting us with them because we have the right insurance and we're always checking the people who check in. And it's rare, but occasionally at a check-in, we actually refuse the guests to check in because their passport doesn't match who it was supposed to be, um, because you know we've got a number of red flags, like if they show up without luggage, um, different number of people than what they'd said on the booking. And you know those are the red flags that prevent an issue from actually happening. And you know it might feel easy when you're only managing five properties, but you know, the reality is while it is rare, 
these things happen. We all have heard about the disaster stories and all these other things. And a bit of prevention is probably worth much more than the cost of the cure. Mm -hmm, For sure. And how many, so how many properties does Under the Doormat service and have in their portfolio currently? So we've got just over 300 um, under contract in London in terms of what we manage directly with our team. And then the Hosperia business, um, we've got companies across the UK already in Europe and our first companies in in the US as well um, that are working with us on that marketing and distribution and kind of technology side. Um, And so it's really exciting because in a way, you know, we built a business that works and and operationally we know how to manage it. Um, But we felt that rather than growing and us doing it all ourselves, we were way better to partner with lots of great entrepreneurs all over the world and, and to grow the business that way instead. You have done a lot for our industry and just this conversation alone, it's like, all right, Annette, (laughs) we try to do a lot for the industry, but Marilee, you're definitely an inspiration. Um, the one thing that I think entrepreneurs come to us about, what Annette and I struggle with often, and I, I can tell you know, just how much you pour yourself into this industry, into your business, into your guests, into your owners. We are as hosts pulled in so many different ways. Do you have any feedback or tips on how to avoid burnout, especially as you're growing so that we can continue to attract really amazing people to help this industry stay alive and well? How can hosts take care of themselves? How can they not get burnout by being available 24-7 or wanting to help you bring all this stuff to the US and do all these things and please are... How do you do it? Any tips? I mean, look, I think to be perfectly honest, the easiest thing is deciding what's really important and what do you want to do yourself and where do you need help? So, I mean, for us, whether it's, you know, having a 24 seven reservations desk, which actually ours is based in Colorado, um, and, you know, figuring out how to get those partnerships, um, figuring out how to get the technology, setting expectations with guests. I mean, we basically say we're available from 9 a.m. until 6 p.m., seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have an emergency service, which is available if there is a genuine emergency out of hours. But if they call us at midnight and it's not an emergency, then we actually have a fee for that. Um, because it is about sometimes setting expectations and boundaries. And that is, we want to do absolutely everything for you, but we cannot be on 24 right. seven. Um, and I think then of course it is also having an amazing team and, you know, I, I mean, the guys in the under the doormat team are just brilliant and, you know, finding those right people and, and bringing them on board and, and having them there to help you will make all the difference in the world. So, you know, I think it is just so important though to, you know, if you're not a technology person, then find a company that can help you with that. If you're, you know, if you need a good cleaner, find someone who's a good cleaner, you know, do that early because otherwise it can be really quick that you realize that you literally don't have a minute in the day because this is taking up all aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And while it costs a bit of money, whether it is, you know, finding a Hosperia and doing all of that for you, whether it is finding the cleaner, whether it is hiring a team that can manage all of the platforms and manage all that stuff for you, all of that will just mean that you can do this longer and be more successful. And ultimately, if you're really good at what you do, most of your time is probably going to get spent on the relationships with your owners. 
Because if those relationships work well and those guys continue to recommend you to other people, your business will grow and you can keep hiring more people to do all the other things. Mm -hmm. Great. Build it right the first time. As you, as you, like you said before, you need it and, and you'll be setting yourself up for success. Yeah. So listeners, Marilee, where can they get more of you, see where your progress is going to go in 2021 and, and beyond? What's the best way for our listeners to follow along your journey and if they wanted to reach out to you at all? Well, I mean, look, on our website, you can register for our newsletter. We send it out twice a week and we've always got, you know, stories about what we're doing, all of the kinds of things we've talked about. So by all means, please go there. We also sometimes have discounts. So anyone coming to London, um, you're, you're more than welcome. But beyond that, obviously, we're on social media. So you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook. And, you know, welcome as well a dialogue, you know, on our website, we've also got our email addresses, we try and make sure that we're always accessible. And to be honest, I love talking to other entrepreneurs who are on this journey. So by all means, you know, reach out to me as well on LinkedIn or, um, or through the company website, if there's anything that you ever want to, to discuss or talk about, because, you know, again, this industry is only as strong as, as we make it. And the more we work together, the stronger we all are. So um, if there's ever anything I can help with, please let me know. We, we haven't started this segment. I want to start this now, Sarah. We're going to do this. If you're, what's, where's your favorite place to travel so our listeners can put it on their, their wish list? Oh, that's probably one of the hardest questions that you could possibly ask. <laughs> I know. I should have said that, but think, pre-interview. Pre I, I, I think at latest count, I've, I've managed to visit something like 80 countries. Oh, wow. I mean, the one of my absolute favorite places I lived in San Sebastian in Spain. I got married many, many years later back in San Sebastian. Um, and I think it is one of the most amazing places that you can that you can visit. Um, great food, beaches, you can walk everywhere, and it's just one of those places that you can experience. So highly recommend everyone okay. to go there. Awesome. I don't know that I've ever and I've not been to 80 countries, but I don't know that I've ever heard of that place. That's no, that's amazing. awesome. Yeah, we're going to start We're gonna start asking people okay. out, and especially when good. people have been to 80 countries, we want to take her advice. But Marilee, this has been awesome. We are so excited to just to, to now be connected with you. And, and like you said, I hope, listeners, sign up for the newsletter because... There is so many good, there's so, so much you can learn from other people that A, you know, this can help you if you're going to start sending out a newsletter. I know yeah. Sarah and I talk about collecting those email addresses. And heck, even if you don't send out any email addresses, keep yourself up on, um, you know, industry standards and best practices. What's going on? What's what's going on around the world? What so, are the best, the best doing? You know, it's it's merely, I'm sure you're, like you said, that we are stronger together. So if you're a fellow short-term rental host, manager, co-host, whatever you want to call yourself, don't consider the people next to you, you know, your your competitors necessarily. Like you need to come together. That's how we're going to be able to continue to to thrive. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the other thing I would say is also there is the UK Short-Term Accommodation Association website. Mm -hmm. All the content on there is for free. All yeah. the policies on there, copy them for what you're trying to do in your local area. Um, get in touch with the association and, and the guys who are running it day to day. I mean, we're always looking to just take what we've done and just spread it elsewhere because we didn't put all the effort in just to do it in the UK. Mm -hmm. We just kind of put the effort in because we thought this is what the industry needs. And the more that people take it and use it and get benefit from it, 
all the better. Wow. So, you know, feel free to steal and copy and, you know, that's absolutely welcome. <laughs> sure. And thank you. Listeners, if you're new to our show, you might not know that Sarah and I met at a city council meeting. <laughs> show your faces, let people know who you are and what you do. It it is it does make an impact and be proud that you're a short-term rental host. Mm-hmm. Let people know what you do. Let your neighbors know. Like that we are stronger together there and and like Marilee's saying, you know, we had to go to the city council because they they were getting ready to do some enforcement. So, but we were there and we showed up and, and hosts showed up in a big, big way. And I know that helped us um, when, when we, when those regulations came about for us to continue to be able to, to rent. So it is, it is very important, even if, you know, it's a small town and one person, you know, show your face, show up and let them know um, how important it is to you. Yeah. So. All right, Marilee. Well, we are, um, we're so thankful for that you, that you took this time today and we'll hopefully talk to you here soon. Yes, thank you so much. I'm Sarah Karakayan. I'm Annette Grant and together we are. Thanks, Thanks for, for visiting. visiting. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. Head on over to the show notes for this episode at thanksforvisiting.me. If you're looking to take your listing to the next level and show your guests how much you care, be sure to check out our line of thoughtful hosting products from hosting checklists to custom mugs to toilet paper stickers. We've got you covered. And if you love our show, remember sharing is caring. Please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Awesome reviews help us bring you awesome content. Thanks for tuning in. And we look forward to hanging out with you next week. Thanks for visiting. wonder what it would be like to have personalized guidance from Annette and me? Imagine achieving the same incredible results we helped Amy achieve, increasing her overall revenue by a staggering 187% by diving into her biz numbers. Or perhaps you'd love to boost your hosting business like Miranda, who added a fantastic $10,000 by refining her pet policy. Well, here's a scoop. There's only one way to get that one-on-one support from Annette, myself, our expert coaches, and our industry pros is by attending our on-demand workshop. Trust us, it's worth it. During the workshop, we'll make an offer to all of our attendees to join our membership. Once you're a part of our exclusive membership, you'll gain access to our elite community of hosts in our private Facebook group. This is where the magic truly happens. Members are engaging in discussions about their business numbers, occupancy rates, how to handle guest challenges, and providing unwavering support to one another. Plus, We will have live coaching calls to help you dive deeper into portfolio growth, team building, marketing, and so much more. Don't wait any longer. Head on over to www.hostmasterclass.com right now to secure your spot and embark on this exciting journey with us. That's www.hostmasterclass.com. Trust us, you won't regret it.